hang out with each other. We try to find each other at recess. We try to sit at the same lunch table if it's not too crowded. We hang out with each other all the time. Now, if you're like me, when we talk about this topic of kindness, it's one of those topics that kind of seems nice, but at the same time, it doesn't really get you all that excited. At least that's my perception at times, because when you think of kindness, you may think of a grandmother, or you may think of a neighbor that every time you visited their house, they gave you a piece of candy, and and you thought they were really kind. Or maybe when you think of kindness, you think about the importance of saying please and thank you, or maybe you think of helping little old ladies cross the street. Now, all these things are good. Kindness is good, but at the same time, like I said, when we think of kindness, oftentimes it's not one of those topics that really fires us up. It's not like saying, okay, today we're going to talk about how we can go out and change the world for Christ. Or today I'm going to talk about how we can live the full, abundant life that God designed us to live. Or, you know what, something as relevant as, you know what, we're going to talk about three keys for how we can have healthy relationships with those around us. I mean, those things may seem a little bit more exciting or at least a little bit more relevant. But, but kindness, well, it just seems kind of nice. But I want to make the case today that kindness actually is not just a nice character quality to live out. But it's actually something that uh, can be transformational. And it really can, going back to those other three things I just shared, it really can transform our relationships with those around us. Kindness really can help us to live life that God's intending us to live. And kindness, know it or not, can even uh, be crucial in helping transform the world for the sake of Christ. I invite you to turn your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 8. Luke 8, we're in a series right now called Fruit of the Spirit that is looking at nine character qualities that Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 5. And he says, if the Holy Spirit is in the driver's seat of your life, these character qualities will be lived out in and through you because the Holy Spirit is creating them in you. And the nine character qualities are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today we're talking about this fruit of kindness. And when we talk about the fruit of kindness, uh, we need to start by looking at God. Actually, even before we start by looking at God's kindness, we're going to start by praying and then We will look at God's kindness. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are kind to us. And I pray that today as we talk about this topic of kindness, that it won't merely be a nice character quality, even though it is that, but it's more. And I pray that you will show us, Lord, with fresh eyes, how we can be kind to those around us, demonstrating the same type of kindness that you demonstrated to us through Christ. And I pray that you will use the kindness that you are empowering in and through us to transform our lives to transform other people's lives, and to transform this world for the sake of Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. So as I said, if we are looking at the topic of kindness, we need to start by looking at God's kindness that he has demonstrated to us. The Greek word for kindness, uh, Greek is the original language of the New Testament. The Greek word for kindness is Christates. Christates, it's a term that can refer both to human kindness and also to God's kindness. But every single time it's used in the New Testament referring to God, it's talking about God's kindness that he's shown to us through Christ that has accomplished salvation for those of us who come to place our trust in Christ. And and let me give you an example of this out of Titus chapter 3 before we get to Luke 8. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, Paul writes, At one time 
We too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. So we see here in this passage that God's ultimate kindness has been demonstrated to us through Christ's death. We didn't deserve for Christ to die in our place to pay the penalty we deserve for our sins. It was simply by his mercy, by his love, by his kindness. And we see, though, as we look through Scripture, that God's kindness is not only demonstrated through Christ's death, but it's also demonstrated ultimately and embodied through the life of Christ. Jesus' life ultimately embodied God's kindness. Look back with me. If you have your Bibles open to Titus 3, we will jump to Luke 8 in a minute. But Titus 3 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. You see, God's kindness and love ultimately appeared on earth through Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he didn't just come just to die right away. He he appeared, first of all, as an infant. He grew up. He ministered for three years, and then he was crucified. But during Jesus' entire life, he embodied what kindness really is. He was the epitome of kindness. And now I do want to turn our attention to Luke chapter 8, to an example of the kindness that Jesus embodied during his life. Look with me to Luke chapter 8, verse 41. This is just an account of, of an event that took place one day in Jesus' life. It says, Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house uh, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Now, let me recap what just took place here. So Jesus is just out there, just going through his normal life, And a man named Jairus comes up to him and says, Jesus, my daughter's dying. Can you come help? And Jesus responds. Now, through the course of this message today, I'm going to share four what I call big statements that help us to understand the significance and the meaning of kindness. And the first big statement is this. Kindness is shown in joyfully responding to the needs of those around us. Kindness is shown in joyfully responding to the needs of others. And that is what Jesus is doing right here. Jairus comes. He's probably never met Jesus before, but Jairus comes. He sees that Jesus might be able to help. Jairus says, okay, my my 12-year-old daughter, she's dying. Can you come help? And Jesus joyfully responds to this need. So he's going with Jairus to Jairus' house to attend to Jairus' dying daughter. But along the way, there's an interruption. This woman who says she's been bleeding constantly for 12 years. Scholars say this is probably some sort of hemorrhage of her uterus that is causing this this just kind of nasty, incessant bleeding. And that culture is very uh, despicable. It was very looked down upon. Specifically in that Jewish culture, this woman would be seen as being ceremonially unclean because of this bleeding. 
She would not be allowed to go in the temple, and she was not allowed to touch anyone else. She was really a social outcast. And we know that she has spent everything she had on doctors trying to get healing and a cure for this bleeding. She spent her entire savings with nothing to show for. This bleeding continued, but she'd heard of Jesus. So she did something that was really not appropriate in that society. She went out to try to touch him. She thought, if only I can touch him, maybe he can heal me. She didn't want to have a direct conversation with him because, you know, that wasn't right in that society. So she reached out and touched him, was immediately healed. And Jesus knew that, that this had just taken place. And he said, who touched me? And Peter's like, Jesus, what are you talking about? There are so many people around here. They all, all want to be around you. We're all getting jostled about. How can you say, who touched me? We're all getting pushed around and, and jostled here. Jesus said, no, someone, someone touched me because I felt power go out from me. Now listen to what takes place next here. Luke uh, 8, 47, 48 says, Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at Jesus' feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now here is Jesus. He's walking along. This woman comes and touches him, and she is instantly healed. It was something that socially she should not have done. But Jesus shows her only kindness and compassion. He does call her out, but it's not to reprimand her, not to tell her she did something wrong, but to affirm her. He says, daughter. Now, realistically, this woman is probably at least as old as Jesus was at that point. So he's not like talking to some little girl here, but he says, daughter. It's an it's a address of kindness and compassion and tenderness. He says, daughter. Your faith is healed. You go in peace. You see this kindness that Jesus is showing, and it's especially shown because Jesus was just interrupted from something else that he was doing. I mean, think about it. When we are interrupted and we're busy with something, those are oftentimes the times where we are least likely to show kindness. Oftentimes our attitude in those times is, well, okay, can't you see I'm busy? Why don't you come back when I'm not quite as busy? But Jesus, he, he, he makes the most of this interruption. He doesn't really see it as an interruption. He sees it as another opportunity to show kindness and to bless someone else. And then after he, he takes care of this and addresses the woman and her need and affirms her and sends her away in kindness, then he goes to Jairus' house and raises Jairus' daughter back to life. Now what we see here, though, is the epitome of kindness lived out in Jesus. This is just one episode in his life, but his life is filled with these types of things, of showing kindness after kindness after kindness to the people around him. And if we're talking about kindness, we need to understand where kindness comes from. Ultimately, kindness comes from within. It comes from the heart. And when I talk about the heart, metaphorically, it's talking about what's going on in our mind, what's going on in our emotions. What's going on inside of us is externalized through our words and through our actions. I mean, words and actions, they originate with what's going on inside of us. And so if we want to understand where does kindness come from and how can we show more kindness, we need to look at what's going on inside of us, in our minds, in our emotions, in our attitudes. When we look at Jesus, look at uh, what was going on in Jesus' mind. I, I, I turn our attention to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 36. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them 
because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You hear this? When Jesus saw the crowds of people, he had compassion on them. He had compassion. He saw that they were struggling. And compassion was what was going on inside of him. And that was what led him to show kindness and mercy and grace to those around him. Now, look at us. And we may think, okay, well, of course he showed compassion to them. Of course this happened. He saw they were struggling. He saw they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Who wouldn't be moved to compassion and kindness in that circumstance? Well, reality is, a lot of us wouldn't be. Because, I mean, we see things around us that are hard. We see people struggling. But like it or not, many times we just kind of have this indifferent attitude. Many times we, we see people struggling but don't really do all that much about it. Jesus, he was motivated from the compassion of his heart, and he, he showed kindness through his actions and his words. But we oftentimes are preoccupied with other busyness, with other distractions, with other priorities. But we have to recognize there are struggles going on all around us all the time. It's not just on the other side of this world where people are dying of, of starvation or AIDS or stuff. It's taking place in our community and even in our church family. I mean, even right here in this room, there are people who are struggling with finances, people who are struggling with addictions, people who are struggling in their marriage or with their children, people who are struggling with loneliness, or people who are struggling with emotional baggage or mental illness, people who are struggling with grief or with health issues, people who are struggling with anxieties, people who are struggling if their life is really worthwhile, people who are struggling to understand, does anyone really love me? There are people right here in this room who are experiencing each one of these things. Maybe not everyone's experiencing them all, but we're all experiencing some of these types of things. There are people all around us who are struggling. And we need the heart of Jesus as compassion that moves us to, 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 to practical acts of kindness. But far too often, we are self-centered. And, I mean, I look at myself this Fruit of the Spirit series has been very encouraging for me. But at the same time, it's been very, very convicting. Probably one of the most convicting sermon series I've done here at Freedens. It's convicting because each week as I'm preparing for this message, I'm looking at love, I'm looking at uh, joy, I'm looking at peace, patience, kindness. And I'm like, these are really, really cool. But I fall so far short because every week, like this week, I'm looking at kindness and I'm thinking about examples of kindness people have shown me. And I think about how we can show kindness to others. And I'm like... Man, there are so many times when I should show kindness, but I haven't. I mean, I've thought about even people right here in this congregation who I, I should have shown some sort of kindness to because I knew they were struggling. But for some reason or another, I didn't. There was a, there was a, um, a commencement, a graduation speech at Syracuse University last year given by a New York Times bestselling author named George Saunders. And the theme of this whole speech was kindness. It kind of caught a lot of people off guard because, um, you know, typically here, okay, go out and make the most of your lives. Go out and change the world. And he, he talked about kindness. But this, this graduation speech went viral around the Internet uh, because he touched a nerve there. And, he, and one of the things he said in this speech is he said, what I regret most in my life are failures of kindness. It's those moments when other human being was there, and when another human being was there in front of me, suffering, and I responded sensibly, reservedly, mildly. You see, George Saunders, uh, it wasn't like he was being mean to people. 
It wasn't like he was belittling people or being intentionally unkind to people, tearing people down. It's just that when he saw a need, so oftentimes he didn't respond to it. He was just indifferent. He paid attention to his own agenda rather than how he could joyfully meet the needs of others around him. And I think this is so often the case, that we are so easily self-centered and self-absorbed. And the second big statement that I want to make here in this message today is that a self-centered heart short-circuits kindness. A self-centered heart short-circuits kindness. When we look at that Greek word for kindness, which is uh, Christades, it has overtones of generosity. Another way it can be translated in, in various contexts is generous. We need to understand that kindness inherently is generous. Kindness inherently looks to meet the needs of other people, not just looking to meet our own needs. It, it looks to see, okay, what, what's going on in their lives? How can I be a blessing to them? It may be costly to us, but how can I help them out? That's what kindness is all about. It's inherently generous, but we are inherently self-centered. Now, it's not like everything we do is, is self-centered to the very core. It's not like we can't be generous and kind at times. But at the same time, in our natural selves, we all have that sense that's asking, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this kindness that I'm giving? What am I going to get out of what I'm doing here? And I think we all have this mentality in the back of our minds. And it taints and it short-circuits what we could give in terms of kindness to others. Hey, you look at Jesus. Did he ever have that mentality of what's in it for me? No. You look throughout the Scripture and you never see Jesus once saying, what's in it for me? In fact, in Mark 10, 45, he said, I, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He came to serve others, not to be served, not to ask what's in it for me, but what can I give for others' benefit? And that is the root of what kindness really is. Now, like I said, we all have this inner problem, this sinful nature that makes us inherently self-centered, that short-circuits kindness. But we have hope because God, through Christ and through the Holy Spirit, will give us a new heart. I turn our attention now to Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 26 and 27. This was written hundreds of years before the time of Christ, but it's talking about what Christ can do in us when we come to him. Ezekiel writes, uh, God says through Ezekiel, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So we see here that we naturally have this heart of stone, a heart that doesn't care that much about God, doesn't care that much about other people. But God says, through faith in Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to remove your heart of stone that doesn't really care that much. I'm going to replace it with a heart of flesh, a living, breathing, healthy, vital, vibrant heart that can love others and love God. That's the heart that we receive when we come to faith in Christ. And we see reference here to the Holy Spirit who comes and lives inside of us and empowers us. And we are reminded that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to empower the, this, this kindness inside of us. And that leads us to the third big statement, that the Holy Spirit does empower a supernatural kindness to others, a kindness that we can't well up in ourselves. I mean, we can be kind of kind to other people on our own. But the supernatural kindness the Holy Spirit empowers is on a completely different level. It doesn't look to what, we, what can we get out of things, but what can we give because of what Christ has given to us. 
And that leads to the fourth uh, big statement for today, the final one, that our kindness makes the gospel attractive. Our kindness makes the gospel attractive to others around us. I want to go over now to Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. That's an interesting passage. I think you'll see in a minute how it fits. Titus 2, 9 and 10. Paul writes, Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them and not talk back to them, and not steal from them, but to show them that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Now, now basically Paul is saying to these slaves, live good lives, treat your masters well, treat them with respect, lead, lead lives of integrity, be kind, be loving. And as you do this, your lifestyle is going to make the gospel attractive. The gospel is the good news of what Christ has done for us through his life, death, and resurrection. And, and Paul's saying here that, that if you live this kind, uh, good uh, life of integrity, you will make the gospel attractive. Now, we aren't slaves. I don't think any—hopefully none of us here are, are actual literal slaves. But the principles still apply that we rub shoulders every single day with a wide variety of people, many of whom don't yet know Christ— But whether we know it or not, they are observing our lives. And and if we are saying, you need Christ, and Christ is so important, Christ loves you so much, but if our lives are not indicating this level of kindness and love that Christ has given us, it's not going to make the gospel very attractive, is it? But if we are able to live with love and kindness and integrity, it will help soften people's hearts and make the gospel seem more attractive. Think about it this way. Here's a box, kind of beat up little box and kind of some junk inside here. Why do you think that wedding rings don't come in boxes that look like this? Probably because it doesn't showcase the ring very well, does it? I mean, it's a functional box. I mean, duct tape's holding it together so it's not falling apart. I mean, yeah, it's a little beat up, but it can still safely hold a ring. I mean, you can get some extra cool stuff that comes along in this box. I mean, here. Look at all the stuff you can get in this type of box. You don't see this in normal boxes that come with wedding rings. I mean, look, it's not all complete junk. There's even some money in this box. Your engagement ring doesn't come with money, does it? it costs money, but doesn't come with money. I mean, there's even this cool pen that you pull this thing out, and it tells the full gospel message on there. <laughs> Pretty cool, isn't it? But you know what? Wedding rings don't come in boxes like this, do they? Because if a wedding ring comes in a box like this, people are going to look at it and be like, you know, that's not very special. I mean, if you, if you are proposing to someone and you hand them a box like this with all this junk inside, they're going to be like, what's this? No, it doesn't work, does it? I mean, even if it comes with all this cool stuff, they're going to be like, this it doesn't make sense. There's, why are you giving this to me? Wedding rings instead come in a box that looks like this. They come in a box that looks like this to showcase the box. People typically don't, or it doesn't showcase the box. Showcases the ring. People don't typically remember the box after the fact. But you see, this whole box is meant to show how special the ring is. It showcases the ring. The ring is right in the middle. It's glittering. It's sparkly. It's polished. It's clean. It's showcased right there in this pretty box. And that's what our lives do with the gospel. That when our lives are showing kindness and love to those around us, it's like this pretty box that showcases the gospel. 
Now, the gospel is still inherently powerful and beautiful, even if our lives are not. I mean, in the same way that if you put an engagement ring in a box like this filled with a bunch of other junk, the ring is still beautiful, it's still valuable, but people aren't going to notice it nearly as much in a box like this. Put it in a box like that, if you're proposing to someone you love and you pull out that box, they're going to instantly know what's going on. That's the power of when you wrap something up with something that's attractive. And that's what we are called to do with the gospel. That's what our acts of kindness do for others. Now, back in 1967, there was a missionary in India named Doug Nichols. Doug Nichols, unfortunately, he came down with tuberculosis. And back then, what they did when someone had tuberculosis is they set them aside, uh, quarantined them from the rest of society. He was in what is called a sanitarium uh, with other TB patients. And he was taken to a part of India where he didn't know the language. He wasn't able to directly verbally communicate with any of the people who were there with him in that ward. But he wanted to get the gospel out to them. He's still a missionary. He still loves Christ. He wants others to know Christ. So he had these, a few of these little booklets that, that talked about the gospel in the language that the people there spoke. And Doug tried to pass out these booklets to the people there who had TB there with him in that ward. But none of them wanted these booklets. They all said no. They pushed him back to him. Now, one night, about 2 a.m., uh, Doug, he, he, he woke up with this terrible coughing fit. He could not stop coughing. He couldn't catch his breath. And at 2 a.m., as he's sitting there coughing, he sees an old, frail, weak man in a bed near him struggling to get out of bed. The man is whimpering. He's doing everything he can, but he's too weak to get out of bed. And Doug, he doesn't do anything about it. He just keeps coughing and eventually goes back to sleep. The next morning... There's this terrible stench throughout the entire ward. This man apparently was trying to get out of the bed to go to the bathroom, but he couldn't. So he went right there. All the residents, they were incredibly angry because of this terrible smell. The nurse came over, cleaned up the mess, and then slapped this old man. The next night, uh, Doug woke up in the middle of the night again, saw this old man once again trying to get out of his bed. This time, Doug, he wasn't having a coughing fit. He got up. He went over to this old frail man, picked him up, and carried him over to the bathroom. Let him do his business there, took him back to the bed. And this old elderly frail man kissed him on the cheek, laid down, and went to sleep. Doug went back to sleep. The next morning, he woke up, and there was a cup of hot tea sitting right next to his bed. One of the other residents there pointed to the tea and told him to drink it, um, and then pointed to one of those little booklets indicating that he wanted one of those little booklets to talk about the gospel. That man took it, uh, and over the course of the next few days, uh, quite a few of the other patients came up and indicated they wanted those booklets as well. And over the course of that time in that TB ward, a number of those people there came, became followers of Christ. It all started with a simple act of kindness. Now, Doug could have easily just kind of rolled back over and gone back to sleep and been indifferent but instead he showed kindness. And it shows how kindness can open that door for the gospel. It makes the gospel look attractive. It's oftentimes said that people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And we can have all the Bible knowledge in the world. We can explain the gospel incredibly eloquently. But there are a lot of people out there, they don't really care about Jesus. They don't care about church. They don't care about the Bible. And so it's through our kindness and through our love that we can show them that can really make a difference in their lives. And I want to challenge us 
to think about how can we show kindness to those around us. Oftentimes kindness isn't something really huge. Oftentimes kindness is just shown in the little things. I think of some of the kindnesses that have been shown to me over the last couple of months. Oftentimes they aren't big things, but they still stick out in my mind. I think about how a couple months ago I was shopping at Century with both my kids. And I mean, I wasn't doing major shopping, but still had a shopping cart and stuff. And so I'm out there loading the kids and the groceries into the, um, into the van. A woman, I don't know who she is, she just walked over and asked if she could take the cart back for me. It was a simple act of kindness, but it stuck in my mind. She wanted to help out because she saw my hands were full. Several mornings a week, I go biking with my kids. And um, Micaias and I, Wednesday and Friday mornings, always go up to Belgium and back. And um, a couple times, we've run into the same guy biking, an older gentleman uh, biking. He's up, we see him on the north end of town, coming back into town. And each time I see him, he yells out these words of encouragement. I, I have no idea who he is. But he says, you're a great dad. Or, or this last week, he said, wow, you're strong. Because I'm pulling this cart behind me. And I mean, there's just these little things. But it, it warms my heart and encourages me. It obviously sticks in my mind. I mean, I think about how when we brought Tehillah home um, a year and a half ago, um, our neighbor, uh, it just snowed. And our neighbor, we look outside, and he's shoveling our sidewalk in our driveway just to show kindness. I think about how here at the church, um, I mean, so many people have, have shown kindness to me and my family just by listening when we're going through hard times or by praying for us. I, I think about kindness that's shown. Uh, just recently, I was talking with someone who I noticed every time they park here at church, they park, park in the back of the parking lot, hey, even when there are a lot of other spaces open near the front. And, um, and I said, thank you to that person for parking in the back of the parking lot. They said, well, God gave me two good legs. I might as well use them. And what a blessing that he opens up spots for others to park up closer. It's these little acts of kindness that can make a difference. Kindness can be shown simply in, in giving a smile to someone rather than just going about our business, uh, just caring about our own needs. It can be shown in, in saying a very gracious thank you to, to a waitress who's obviously having a hard day or leaving a generous tip in that circumstance. Or if we see an elderly woman who's lonely, that we can go and encourage them. If we see a little kid, we can, uh, we can acknowledge them and, and listen to their story. Those are all little acts of kindness. And we're called even to show kindness to people, even when we don't feel like it, even when it doesn't feel like they deserve any sort of kindness. I think of Jesus' words in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 6. He said, love your enemies and do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. See, God is kind to us even when we didn't deserve it. We're called to be kind to others even when they don't deserve it. And that's the type of kindness that can really win people over and really demonstrate the gospel in ways that words could never do. Now, the most powerful forms of kindness, I believe, are not random acts that we give to random people, even though those are still good and important. The most powerful acts of kindness are when we demonstrate kindness to people whom we rub shoulders with on a regular basis our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our friends and family. And if we accumulate little acts of kindness over a period of time, it makes a huge difference in softening people's hearts to the gospel and in us bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit of kindness. It, it can be truly transformational. It can change people's lives for the course of eternity. It can change the world. And it starts with this fruit of the Spirit called kindness. One of my favorite quotes 
is be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Be kind because everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Every one of us is facing challenges in our lives. We may or may not see those challenges, but we are called to be kind. And when we are kind to others in the name of Christ, we never know what doors God is going to open up. And I want to challenge us this week to look for practical ways to show kindness to others. Maybe it's someone at work who's obviously having a hard day, and maybe we go buy them their favorite coffee and take it to them at their desk. Maybe it's sitting down and listening to them, offering to pray for them. Maybe it's just listening to a little child. Maybe it's that neighbor who uh, normally frustrates us, that instead we show kindness to them. Maybe it's just something different every single day. I want to challenge us and encourage us to intentionally show kindness as we put the Holy Spirit in the driver's seat of our lives. Now, I said earlier that Jesus embodied God's kindness. We too can embody God's kindness. In Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So Christ can still live in and through us through his Holy Spirit and allow us to embody God's kindness to this world. And as we do so, it's going to be really exciting to see what God does to change the world for the cause of Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you showed kindness to us through Christ, and we thank you that you empower us to show kindness to others. What a significant responsibility, Lord. And I pray that we will be faithful to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, to allow him in the driver's seat of our lives so that we can show supernatural kindness to others that makes the gospel attractive and draws other people to the life-giving nature of Christ as well. Father, now as we come to this time of giving back to you a portion of what you've entrusted us through the offering, we pray that you will use these tithes and these offerings to open more and more people's eyes in this community and around the world to your great love and kindness. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.